0: Welcome to episode 206 of Effect. Honey, I'm home. I'm Dave. And
1: I'm Matthew. And we have truly a packed programme for you in this episode. we got loads of World of Gaming news with some really exciting bits in. And we've got not one, not two, but three articles in this episode. They're all quite short though. But That's we're going to split them up and have a bit of a chat after each one.
0: It was only because you couldn't work out a way of writing them into one article.
1: Well, there is that. <laughs> I could work out a way of writing them into one article, and that is to split them into three. But I That's think, the way. I'm a craftsman with words. I
0: quite like the idea, though, actually, because it, it builds the tension to the to the real payoff in the third article. So the third article it meant does. To be bloody good. Because strong we're gonna have the a lot stronghold of upset hack is,
1: is great. I think it will be. I think <laughs> a load of people will be relieved by that one. Uh, okay, so um yeah, uh, let's let, let's kick off straight away by saying that we don't have any new patrons. We've had a bumper crop of patrons in the last episode, but uh, it's quite right that we should have uh, less um this week and indeed we've had none. So thank you to all our patrons.
0: Thank you, yeah, of course. I'm, I'm not sure it's oh, right. Not... I'm not sure it's right that we should have no new patrons. I mean, you said it's quite right. I mean, it's obviously it's up to the listeners to decide whether they're going to, you know, patronise <laughs> us or not. But from our point of view, we want more. We want more people to come and join us in the Discord and you know a bigger community. So I'm not sure I agree in saying it's right not to have any new patrons.
1: Okay, yeah, there are other ways of supporting us as well. There, let's just drive that home. Absolutely, you could go to the Redbubble shirt and pick up one of our "That's Why I'm an Adequate GM" or "That's Why I'm the Best GM" t-shirts. It depends on your own self-worth there. Um, <laughs> and also, you could just use our affiliate link when you go shopping at DriveThruRPG. Through RPG. It costs you nothing but we get about 5% i think of what you spend at yeah. drive through rpg. Yeah. So uh, there are other ways to support us and that money i have to say doesn't it supports the podcast because it allows us to buy stuff on drive through rpg which then of course that money goes to the other creators the stuff we buy. So yeah, the money you has, support the, us
0: the money hasn't gone on on expensive holidays or that that um, communal effect uh, hot tub that we've got. Or anything like that. Doesn't go you know no, no. doesn't go on anything like that. Doesn't go on those flashy cars we now drive or um you know Yeah,
1: don't mention the hot tub though. Neither of our wives <laughs> know about the hot tub. <laughs>
0: it's just for me and Matthew. This is the this is the point I'm gonna suggest we edit some of this out, mate.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, well you're gonna suggest it. Fine. <laughs> you can suggest all you like. But I'm the editor.
0: <laughs> so
1: um Uh, So let's crack on with the world of gaming. (laughs) Yes, Um,
0: please, quickly.
1: And I believe that there's a new book out from the favourite game of uh, some of us around the table, and that is the Alien RPG. Do you want to tell us a bit more, Dave?
0: It is. Alien, yes. So uh, Free League this last week announced the pre-order of Alien Building Better Worlds, the Frontier Colonists and Explorers. Uh, expansion supplement source book call it what you will which was announced on alien day naturally enough i think they plan to announce something every alien day um and yeah it's super exciting uh
1: it it is you wrote a thing about um colonists and stuff we we we, we play tested some col- colony rules you must be a bit miffed that somebody else seems to have beaten you to the uh uh beaten you to the well, somebody so, else are so actually getting something published.
0: Somebody else hasn't beaten me to it. So, um, as I suspect, most people listening to this know because we've talked about it <laughs> ad infinitum, ad nauseum. Yeah, I wrote loads of this book, so that's absolutely. Hey! it's it's um, yeah, about um, about three quarters of it, nearly is uh, is me, which is fabulous. Is your words all my words? Lots of lovely words, um, focusing very much on sort of new rules, new characters. Um, campaign play, new
1: talents, new talents, so, lots
0: of new talents. Um, there's a few. I'm just words. saying that
1: because I think there are some of my words in those new talents there are a somewhere.
0: Few, there are a few of your words in there. I managed to expunge most of them, but I couldn't. I can't oh, remember yeah, exactly all that we also. So some of yours will have crept in, sadly. But um, <laughs> yeah. So and then there's a lot of campaign stuff. So basic basic guidance about running a a colonist or explorer campaign. Um, the background to the campaign in the book itself. And then there is an enormous uh, frontier Colonist campaign called the Lost Worlds. I am not sure I am allowed to tell you that, but
1: um, no, don't now. tell me that it's called the Lost Worlds. Shall it's... I edit that bit out?
0: No, I think it's okay. Um, okay, but, but yeah, so it's uh, it's fabulous. I've had an absolute blast working on it. It's been um, it's been a lot of hard work actually, and and naturally, as you'd expect with Free League, they expect. Uh, you know the quality to be at the right level. So there's quite a lot of uh, back and forth, back and forth over getting it right. But it has definitely turned it into a better product than it was. Um, it's it's definitely it's definitely improved, and it's great. And I've learned loads. Actually, um, I've really learned a lot through this experience as a writer. And hopefully, mm. you know, these are lessons I'll take forward um, in my in my new career. But it's brilliant. I mean, the artwork is fabulous. I mean, <laughs> I'd only seen. One piece of the artwork from the book before they announced. It. I didn't even they didn't even tell me they were announcing it on Alien Day, although although I could probably have guessed. Um, but that cover art is just fabulous. It's really, mm. good. and I think I think it's probably from from a suggestion I made. So so they I, I made I made artwork suggestions for the whole book, um, which was a great opportunity to do that, it'll allow my allow my imagination to run wild. And I think that picture on the front cover is based on one of my suggestions or I mean, if it wasn't cool cool, cool martin's obviously come up with a similar idea if it, if it wasn't based on that suggestion but yeah i just love that sort of glow coming down the corridor and the corridor going away into the distance and it all being very murky and mysterious so brilliant mm. um yeah pre-order is up for that at the moment i'm not sure when the pre-order ends it's usually about a month, isn't
1: it? Yes, I was going to say. Actually, I said a new book's out. Of course, it's not out yet. Uh, there's not even a PDF yet. It's out, it's out so, for yeah. So it's up for pre-order. At some point, there'll be a PDF. Do we know when?
0: Um I don't know exactly. I suspect they will want to put the PDF out pretty quickly after the pre-order finishes. So, if not, if not immediately afterwards, then then. Within a week or two at the most, I suspect. So, I mean, mm. we've, all the writing is obviously done. It's all going into layout, and and obviously, Fox Disney need to approve, um, approve it. Ah, right,
1: yeah. So that may delay things actually, because so you know we haven't got the PDF of the Walking Dead yet, and I guess that is held up at AMC while they're going. I guess mm. so,
0: yeah. So, I mean, that yeah. I think I think they normally think that that process should take a couple of weeks, but again, right. they're they're in the lap of the. Um, you know the mega corporation gods, aren't they? So uh, I guess that can take longer, but the the intention is to get that PDF out pretty pretty damn quickly after the pre order is finished. Um, cool, and yeah, so yeah, uh, super. Exciting. And we must
1: not forget the um, the uh, the contribution of your, I guess, uh, should we say, co author on this? Not me, I, but uh, but the, the chap in charge of the background and the law.
0: Yeah, Drew's done a lot of Drew has done a lot of work on it. He's uh he's done all the the sort of the background and the setting um and the history stuff. Um, cool, cool, cool. He I mean he did quite a lot of work at this right back at the very beginning. The 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 the, the campaign is based on an initial idea that he had, which then was given to me to create the campaign. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's obviously had a, a big influence on this book and put a lot of work into it as well. But um, but yeah. So of the rules. What stuff, a team! Yeah, absolutely. It's always a team effort. Uh, yeah. And um, but yeah. So the rules and the campaign stuff, as written now, is all is all me. But say the, the the actual campaign sort of meta story, as it were, was based on an idea that Drew had put out at the very start. Yeah.
1: Now, of course, we play tested these rules with the uh, YouTube streams that we did some months ago. I wonder. Maybe we should. Um, Maybe I should prioritize putting those out on the podcast stream. When on on the AP stream, we should time it around when that's coming out, so people can see a little bit about how you might run, build, and run your own uh, colonial campaign. Yeah, so um, there are, so there are with, some, the, with the stuff that's in the yeah. back of the book.
0: So, I mean, the the rules that we used for Alien the Colony back in the day, which is what now probably eighteen months ago, um, mm-hmm. form. Were were the basis of the rules that have gone into the book largely, but there are quite a few things didn't make it in, um, or were never going to go in in the first place mm-hmm. for various reasons. But the, the the core rules around building your colony and finding your world and and creating a more um, a more nuanced planet for you to to explore, um, they've been amended a couple of times largely mm-hmm. for word count reasons. Um, but that in itself made them better, I think. So there are yeah. definitely differences. But the core, the kernel of what we were, what I was working on, we did use back in ATC back in those days. So absolutely, I think it's a great idea. And it's good timing. Brilliant. Um,
1: and maybe we can share some of the things that didn't make it into the final version of the book as content for this very podcast, Dave.
0: I think in due course, um, that should be absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, mm. I mean, from from the, some of the stuff that we did, and and you know, you did some work on on um career archetypes. Sadly, quite a lot of that didn't make it in. But bastard, a, you bastard, you kicked my work out. Wasn't me. It was Thomas. It was Thomas. And, <laughs> Thomas, you bastard, and for and for good reason. Actually, I, I no, think, you're
1: not you're not you're not you're not a bastard, Thomas. Sorry, I...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to edit that bit out. Um, I know there was good reason. I can see I can see why. He, um, he wanted to remove those, which is absolutely fine. Um, a lot of the stuff we did on Fresh Talents uh, has gone in. So um, we, were talking, we were talking before the show a little bit about what did and didn't make the cut. I can't remember which talents. So it'll take us a bit of time.
1: Maybe we have to wait until the actual PDF comes out before yeah, we'll def- we can we'll go through have- the stuff. And
0: Yeah, we'll definitely have to do that. We'll have to wait until after the, the, uh, the pre-order is finished and the book is out there. But um, we can then definitely do a little bit. Um, but I don't think. Cool, of but our that talents... will be when
1: people are eager for uh, colony content because they'll have the book in their hands and they'll be going, "Oh, I need some more ideas."
0: Yeah. If they need Excellent. more. Excellent. The I, book is so packed. What a of symbiotic
1: ideas. relationship we have. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's been a blast. It's been fabulous uh, working on it. So I've I've been very very lucky, um, and hopefully, when it comes out, people are going to love it.
1: Brilliant. So that's a. World of Gaming news. That's all about you. And now the next item, Dave, is all about you again. This is um, an announcement from Modiphius this time about a game called Dreams and Machines.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this this last week has been a bit um, a bit like Christmas for me because I, I wasn't aware that either Dreams and Machines or Building Better Worlds, were going to be announced this week. And then, you know, back-to-back days, they were both announced. So, um, yeah, so Dreams and Machines is a new IP. It's a it's a Modiphius' own um, story and and world, which I've been working on, um, you know, with, with the team there for the last probably three or four months. Um, and I've been working on sort of setting and background and kind of world building for it um, so far because the rules are pretty much done. Um, <laughs> I think. Uh, and- so,
1: in a way, you, you're taking the Andrew Gasco role on on this particular book, are you?
0: Well, a little bit. I mean, I mean, it's a team effort. I mean, I'm one of many yeah. writers, uh, and that's. It's, right. an, it's an interesting thing about Modifius, which I think you know, it's fairly obvious if you look at the credits on a Modifius book and the credits on a Free League book. Um, the two companies have a different approach to producing their content uh yeah. is very very team based there's a lot of writers they they have a lot of voices um drawn in and everyone does a small a small element
1: does a bit yeah uh
0: but that worked great i mean cuz there's a lot of really good writers that i was working with on this we were bouncing ideas off each other um for our own bits of work and mm, uh it, it was that's fun yeah it, it was brilliant fun really good fun and i've really enjoyed doing it so dreams and machines are not so say so, I mean, i'm in, i'm in a slightly odd position because I'm not sure how much I can talk about because the, the game itself is being officially launched at Gen Con this year, which is going to be the first weekend in August in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I can say a little bit about the game itself. So it is, it's a 2D20 modifius game, as you'd expect. It's, it's set on a, on a planet um, that was colonized, uh, became technologically like a utopia, absolutely fabulous technology, um, then got cut off from Earth for various reasons. And then things started to go wrong on this planet. And they ended up having a, uh, like an, unwanted, uh, an unwanted war um, against the technology that they'd created. And the story that you play through starts 200 years after that war as society is beginning to rebuild itself but the planet has been devastated there are there are ruins of these magnificent cities and these fabulous technology littered all over the world but you've got people surviving in the most sort of medieval way uh, mm. but using these scraps of technology when they can find them to do something really quite fantastic and so
1: in that regard it's a bit like the game i played yesterday Numenera.
0: okay i don't i've never played Numenera. i mean so I don't, I can't really comment on on similarities.
1: Well, I mean, apart from the fact that this seems a little bit um, nearer future than human era. So Newman era, there have been five whole eras of human civilization, oh, but yes. no, five. I say five, nine. It's the ninth age. So there have been eight. I don't know where we are, whether we're number one or number three or whatever. But anyway, there have been like eight civilizations have gone, risen, created utopia, and for whatever reason, maybe, you know, maybe transcended into some future plane or had a disaster or whatever. And you're walking around in a kind of, as you say, vaguely medieval technology, but with all this stuff lying around that... Um, in the Arthur C. Clarke mode, is kind of indistinguishable from magic. It's yes. devices, it's artifacts in the past, but it does magical things.
0: Yeah, and that's an um, that's an excellent way of describing it because again, in in Dreams and Machines, some of this technology is exactly that. It, it feels like magic. There's a there's a technology called weaving, um, mm-hmm. which uses like weaving patterns almost like spells, but it's 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 a, it, it's manipulating the technology. Um, and you yeah. have, you have a, like a, um, a cast of people called the Weavers who are the few people who can manipulate this technology and they're searching for more of this stuff to try and enhance their powers even further um, but then you've got what are called the Wakers now the Wakers are the remnants of the, the technological enemy that the people fought and they are giant mm-hmm. giant mechs giant robots, but not always giant some of them are giant, some of them are smaller that at the end of the war just fell asleep, just like mm. collapsed and shut down. But, but some wake, of them wake up. They're called wakers because because occasionally, kind of seemingly randomly, but it's you know there are reasons behind it. Some of these wake up, and they they cause absolute havoc whilst they are rampaging and awake. You have mm-hmm. um, you have a you have a cast of people called the Sentinels, whose job it is is to seek out these wakers and protect the communities from them and these communities are made up of lots of other kind of different types of people you have archivists who kind of as the name suggests are are gathering information and trying to uncover the lost technology whilst at the same time using their sort of technological and and engineering expertise to make life better for everybody by Mm. turning the water back on or, or providing some form of electricity or that kind of stuff um but then you have the spears who are kind of a cast of people who who go out and and sort of explore, but they are uh, they're kind of scavengers, but they're not They're more like sort of nomadic explorers kind of thing and you have a you have a version of that that lives on the rivers um, which is all really quite interesting. and then you get what we called the grabbers and these are the people that you might employ to go and find stuff for you. So if you're, mm. if you're, if your community is, is collapsing because you need, a certain bit of technology to keep the lights on or keep the water flowing, you would go to the grabbers and say, "We need this. Go and find it for us." And the grabbers would then go out into the wilderness and search through the ruined cities, some of which are completely destroyed by the sort of the nuclear conflagration that ended the war. Some of them are battlegrounds where they weren't destroyed by nuclears, but there, but there was there was there was fighting in the streets, and others that are basically just kind of pristine and still there, um, kind of. Uh, what would you call it, in standby mode almost, where the people you know, fled the city and then the the mechs never came and destroyed it. So the city itself is just sitting there with certain, you know, there are things in the cities that will, that, that cause, that are threatening, are dangerous, or the, or the wildlife might have uh, moved into the cities. So, I mean, this is just scratching the surface. There's loads more to it, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm being slightly careful because I don't know, I don't want to say more than Chris don't want to spoil things. Chris Birch at Modifius would want me to. Um, but I think I'll idea, send
1: him a special link.
0: The ideas behind it are, are fabulous. The artwork is great. The the yeah, you know, there's a long sort of history that explains how the world ended up as it is. And there are and there are mysteries within that about why that happened and how that happened, and how does that still affect the people in this world today? Um, mm. Yeah, I think it's really exciting, and uh, yeah, it's been great fun working on it, and I hope to work on it more in future. And, so yeah.
1: the other thing it reminds me of is a little bit of uh, Horizon Zero Dawn.
0: Okay, I haven't played that.
1: <clears throat> Have you not played that either? Sure, nope, nope. So many games. This is a video game of which I speak.
0: Okay, um, no, I still
1: haven't played, and it's quite good. So the giant mechs are dinosaur shaped roughly, and. Uh, uh, yeah and you you're going through the ruins of an old civilization cool. vaguely recognizable ruins and you know <laughs> these american cities yeah um, if if you know them anyway that's enough about that what's next on our agenda um alchemy dtt so,
0: which is probably something more for you to talk about than me
1: oh well, yeah i'd you, you know we both love VVTs, so this caught our attention because it's going big on the free league connection. Um, I
0: saw
1: it advertised and, as know, well
0: by Modiphius. Modiphius were going big on it as well.
1: Uh, yeah, so they're working really hard at getting big name publishers. Um, Chaosium is, is in in with it too. I think Call of Cthulhu oh. might be the the next stretch goal. Uh, it's on yes. Kickstarter at the moment. Yeah. Um, uh now I think everybody wants different things from VVTs and I think it's great to see VVTs VTTs, VTTs. Yeah uh variable valve timing is what I always think of with, <laughs> whenever I say this I, I am um, very
0: I'm very interested in in my own personal variable valve timing <laughs> particularly, <laughs> particularly about six in the morning where I've you know <laughs> I need to go and right, you know, I don't want yeah, to get yeah. out of bed
1: I was talking about cars cars <laughs> not needing a wii um anyway where are we yeah so i think there are different things that people want out of uh, uh vtt's and what this one does i think is very focused on the atmospherics i think there's music i think there's um bits of art from the games that are animated a little bit um so you know it hopefully, hopefully immerses you in the game in you can, of course, use maps. I think you know some of the some of the partners are going to be providing maps for generic um, sort of places. Uh, but uh, there's a feeling that it's not quite as technical as, say, Roll Twenty or Foundry in that use of maps and stuff. It's uh, doesn't seem to be as video and sort of uh, other player orientated as say role um so uh, yeah it seems to be more about immersing you as a player in in the environment and you know they're working with a lot of games to you know get create content that feels right for that game um so it's an interesting one as i say uh Free league are all in on it. I think some people are worried in the chat that oh, does this mean that Free league are leaving Foundry or
0: Roll Twenty
1: or whatever? I don't think that's the case. I just no, think they want to be I don't think where case, people either. are playing. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think they just see this as um, another opportunity to, to you know kind of further expand the, the VTT um, reach yeah. generally. Um, I mean, for me, you know, you know, I've, we've frequently talked about my views on VTTs. They're fine, you know. I, I don't like them to be complicated or to be too much faffing about. Because um, mm. they can really... So I don't get, think this is a,
1: a big faffing about one.
0: No. They can really get in the way of the game, I think, if they're... um Yeah. Particularly if the people using them aren't familiar with them. If you get very familiar with them, then I'm sure they move much more smoothly. But, um, you know, otherwise, they just, it just feels like a bit of a barrier for me. Um, this one... Yeah. Um, you, know, I, you know, I'm all for improving the atmosphere. Um, again, for me personally... I'm not sure music particularly enhances a role-playing <laughs> game.
1: I knew you'd say that. Yeah.
0: It's, I mean, you know, I've, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I know it works. For yeah. Some, I know it works for some people and some people, i sure. It works for a
1: lot of people, but I, of possibly because we're old and deaf. Um, I, I, Well, I know even when we were younger and I used to try having background music, you didn't really like it, actually.
0: So. No, I, just, I don't feel the need, personally, I don't feel the need for it. I mean, personally, my imagination is good enough, or lively yeah. enough, or weird enough, or whatever it is, enough um, to help me build all that immersion in my own head without needing external prompts to help me do it. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's not the same for everybody. Or, you know, or even those people who, you know, I'm not saying other people aren't as imaginative as me, but maybe just people need different cues to help tap into that imagination. And that's fine. I just find it gets in the way. It, it bothers me. So what you're saying
1: is the VTT in your head is so much better.
0: <laughs> For me personally, it's fine. Yes, I'm, I'm happy yeah. with my own personal VTT. Um,
1: yeah, but, and again, well, and again, I, minute, I, am, I... I
0: am finding though. So just to finish the point, I am finding um, I remember quite enjoying playing online during the, during COVID in the lockdown. You know, we had no other option. But now mm. I massively, massively, massively prefer to play in person. Um, yeah, it and just, I, it just I, I, does I think... not do it for me online anymore. Really, I mean, I really enjoy, I mean, I'm, I'm running the Badgers uh, Band of Badgers Alien game. We've got the next one is next weekend, uh, the next part, and I'm really enjoying it. But I'm just, I just find that I'm not enjoying it as much as I would if I was sat around the table with those guys rather than sat behind my computer.
1: Yeah, yeah i and i think i have a similar thought i mean i do you know uh, l- let's face it covid has transformed the world of gaming it and has, yeah. made people accept virtual gaming um a lot more than they ever did in the months leading up to covid yeah. uh so that's good i but think good. that you know that's just yeah, more games are being played um and the wider communities you know i I, I I Thomas is running your game in fact for me war, war stories yeah. um the 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 campaign that yeah, you wrote I, I watched that um, day yeah that was cool and he's in Australia there are other players in Scotland and um I, I don't know where everybody's from but they're from lots of places around the world and we're having a whale of a time so that's good um but for me I like I like to see the other players so roll which puts the other players' video feeds um, firmly in the centre of their screen. That's the one I prefer. The the model, the finance model for Alchemy is kind of interesting. It's not encouraging me, I have to say, to Uh, kickstart. And if I were to kickstart it, I'd only kickstart it at pretty much the most basic level and then pay for the content I needed. But it's trying to bundle up content by theme so you've got a kind of science fiction theme that includes coriolis for example along right. with a bunch of other science fiction games i don't play you've got a horror theme that includes this and right. alongside a bunch of other games i don't play yeah and so on and and i would rather just buy the individual games that are the ones that i do play rather than having access to a whole bunch of licenses that yeah i might play one day in the future but as you frequently say dave we haven't got enough Time to play the games we've got. So why do I want to buy these bundles? Yeah. That's what puts me off Alchemy more than anything.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, there it is. It's on Kickstarter. I'm not sure how long it's got left at the time of recording. But again, if people, if you're interested, go and have a look and um, and, and back it. I, I I think it's already smashed its target, hasn't it? So. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't
1: think it, I don't think there's any problem with it not existing.
0: No, it's definitely going to get funded, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah it's uh it's not it's not for me personally
1: right now talking of of versen as as we were um there's a new versen supplement on um on on drive through rpg and it's not entirely new but it's new in english and that is a supplement of ukrainian versen um which I haven't yet downloaded, but I will. And I remember commenting to them when they when they released the Ukrainian version that as soon as they had an English language version, I'd, I'd be there. Admittedly, I'm a bit slow, but I, I will. We'll, we'll download it. One of the interesting things about it, given the current situation in Ukraine and people thinking maybe they want more support, they're not charging for it. It's entirely free. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, is, is it
0: even a pay-as-you-want? T-
1: it's not even pays you want. No. Okay. But when you open it, the first page gives you a number of charities that you can make a contribution to. Right. If if you want to contribute to it. And I think that's the thing to do. So this way, you know, to be fair, poor old drive-through doesn't get their cut of anything you contribute towards this, but neither do the creators. Right, and I right. think they probably thought, you know, even if we're giving the money straight to um uh, you know, straight to uh, the support the Ukrainian people in this time of strife, then actually, you know, that that only gets them after none of the people are taking their cut. Whereas if we just tell you about charities that you contribute to, hopefully more of your money goes through to the people who really need it. Yeah. I think that's a lovely thought. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'll be doing that. Yeah. Cool. Um, and yes, and everybody should download it because it's free. Download mm-hmm. it and then make your own decisions about the charity. But yeah. um it looks lovely. Uh, as I say, I haven't downloaded it yet, so I don't know how well it reads or, or what the verse is like. But it looks gorgeous.
0: Nice. No, that's no, good. It's a, it's a good idea, and and I like the way that they're, that they're doing it. And um, like you say, I hope everyone who who chips in for it or doesn't chip in for it um, chips in for for the charity of their choice, which will be which will be good.
1: Cool. Um, now. Uh, the next thing is something that you know something about, but unlike the theme of this World of Gaming News, it's not a thing that you've been working on.
0: Yeah, I, um, I, I don't know a great deal about it, actually. But, um, yeah, we're talking about Scoundrels of Brixton, which is up, currently up for Kickstarter at the moment by, by Jeffrey Jones, who is a uh, an indie publisher um, who I've been chatting to um, about a few projects, actually, and have done a tiny little bit of work for him. He, um, but he, not on this. Not on this. No, he produces. It's a, really
1: good though, because I've been wanting a South London gangland um, game for ages. Uh,
0: and and so this so this is a science fiction game, which uh, Scoundrels of Brixton. Brixton is a is a star system, or is a planet uh, in a in a, uh, no, I think it's actually a star system, which is where the the game takes place. I think it's intended to be sort of kind of. Gritty. I'm not sure it's pulpy action, but definitely action focused. Um, it's intended to to throw up a lot of moral conundrums, and I think to give your players a uh, some good choices to make and you know drive their behaviour. But I don't know a great deal about it. I mean, Jeff and I very did briefly speak about it um, when we first talked, but it was so far through production there was nothing nothing that he wanted my nothing he um, Nothing he wanted to commission me for, for on that one. Um, but Jeff is a great guy. I mean, um, he, he came to us through the podcast. He obviously heard what we... um episode a while ago where I was saying, I'm a freelancer. I've got... I'm, I've left my job. Help, I need work. Oh, um,
1: yes. I remember. Actually, yeah, he listened. He contacted me on... Well, not me. He contacted us on the feedback um, yeah. uh, a, a address and I forwarded him to you. And so, yeah, that's great. That's great. Contact was the, made.
0: So he, he produces a... Um, a I think it's called kind of quarterly sort of fanzine called Gary's Appendix, which is kickstarted every kind of three months and has a number of articles in it about different role-playing things. Um, It's slightly more, it's not so game or rule specific. It's more general stuff or themes that anyone could probably take and put into, uh, you know, into a game that they wanted to run. The one that I've helped him out on and did a couple of articles is, is kind of a Halloween one, but it's, it's talking about uh, horror and supernatural and death and those kind of themes in role-playing games. So I did a couple of articles for that, which was great, and um, uh, Jeff was kind enough to, to take those on. And yeah, brilliant. He's such a great guy, and he's a real pleasure to work with. And I really hope The Scoundrels of Brixton does well. I think it's already it's it's already hit its pledge target which is brilliant.
1: Yeah. It's, there's 11 um, days to go as we yeah. as we talk. So um, that's probably um 7 days to go by the time you say this episode.
0: Yeah, so there's at least a few days left. So if you're interested go and have a look and and back that. Um then that so I mean So
1: it looks like a traveler supplement. Is it is it traveler or is it um
0: no, it's not Traveller, I don't think um,
1: it's, it's mm, It looks a lot like it I'm just looking at some of the NPCs here And they have the Traveller um, Universal Code Do they? And Traveller-style so skills it's,
0: it's compatible with what he calls the Cepheus system Now, I'm not sure ah, what that is Ceph, exactly.
1: Cepheus is a, um, a Traveller tra- uh, uh, you know, like Old-school rules Traveller
0: Right yeah, I mean he's yes. making the, he's making the point of the Kickstarter that this is also pretty much compatible with Mothership with a little bit of tweaking in Mothership, um, right? So I think it's uh, yeah, it should be it should be uh, you know good and um, easily adaptable to to more than just the the Cepheus system. Yeah, uh, yeah, it looks really good, and I would encourage anyone and everyone who's interested to go and have a look and and back it and back Jeffrey because he's a great guy. Cool
1: and uh so uh and andrew brick uh listener and patron this one's for you Uh, i i'm gonna move on now to another kickstarter this one has only got 18 hours as we uh as we uh as we speak so probably it's it's done by the time you've heard it late pledge guys um Mm -hmm. and this is called blood and doom and uh, it's by a company based in the Netherlands, and I've just closed the link, so um, I can't find it again. Um, talk for me, Dave. Ah, so tell came, me about it.
0: So I came across this um, through a Modifius uh, email, um, like a you know the what do you call it subscription email that comes through, and. Um, I've never heard of it before, actually, but it's a uh, it's a swords and sorcery um, role playing game. It's um, it's a Kickstarter at the moment, so there's about eighteen hours to go at the time of recording. Um, dice tail Games is the company. That's it. They're the guys. They're uh, the ones. The company behind it, but obviously Modiphius are giving them a lot of support and um, uh, airtime. So it's a d10 dice pool game. Um,
1: we like dice pools.
0: We do like dice pools very much, and I like d10 dice pools. Um, it's intended to be gritty. It's, uh, you know, uh, I'm just looking at the Kickstarter now. Um, it's uh, it's got some lovely artwork. Um, it, one thing it does do is it um, it, it pays homage, shall we say, uh, to Forbidden Lands and Alien and other free league things in having what they call random monster attack tables. So these aren't aren't signature attack tables. These are random attack tables, which, I mean, you know, I'm not going to complain about that because I love that. I think that's a really... Particularly for monsters, I think the random attack table is great because, um, you know, it brings out, you know, a bit of that unpredictability. And, you know, you can never know exactly what this thing is going to do. If your monster has just got, you know... A nasty tail and some big claws and it's just going to whack you with one or the other, then you know, you know, that's, that's, that's all well and good, but it's not that exciting um, if it does something really unpredictable, because it's based on a dice roll, then I think that can work really well, I know some people have complained, complained, wrong word but have, have, have raised the issue in Alien that suddenly a xenomorph when it's about to kill you, hisses at you, or does something yeah. else and I, but I love it. I love that, you know. I love the, it. The, the, and Xenomorphs
1: kind of, the, hiss at Ripley again and again and yeah. again. So,
0: and you know, and you the know. look on a, and the look on a player's face when they think this is their character's last round because he is going to die, um, and then they roll hiss, it's brilliant because yeah. they go, okay, I've yeah. got one last chance. I got one. I can, you know. I, I remember even running the demos at UK Games Expo in twenty nineteen. Um, a guy. Uh, about to die but having one last chance to, to whack it with a f- um, fire extinguisher he was carrying it yeah. didn't help he still died but it just really yes. added it really added to that immersion in that moment and it made it made the enemies unpredictable and unknowable so I love that so yeah. I think that's a really good development I like uh, I like the fact that they've gone down that road in blood and doom but as I said I didn't know anything about this until I got this um email through from on the Modiphius mailing list. What two days ago, three days ago? I'm not quite sure why I missed it completely. Um, yeah.
1: So it looks vaguely Conan-esque, and when you said uh, has sent it to you, I thought, ah, this is how they're replacing their lost Conan license, but obviously yeah. not.
0: Um, no, they're just obviously supporting this company, and there's quite a line. Yeah, there's a, there's there's a, a lot of product in in planning or uh, you know in production. And there's going to be a, a, a minis line with it as well, which all look very nice. Um, yeah, so interesting. So slightly sad that we're coming to this at the point where the Kickstarter's probably finished. Um, so apologies. Yeah. But thought we, we saw it, and we thought it was worth mentioning, at least, because it does look very, very nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um- So we we have spent, would you believe this, at least 40 minutes, um, most of it on the world of gaming. So I think we need to wrap this up quite quickly. But we do need to mention that we are going to UK Games Expo.
0: We are. Um, Yeah, the planning is coming together for that now. I think we are. um, Yeah, (laughs) the the biggest the biggest ball ache uh, has been fixed, which is simply vehicle access on the day getting there because that was a well the
1: biggest ball ache big was the fact work. that we were hoping that a bunch of the um free league banners and and stuff were going to be delivered there um waiting for us and no we've got to take them in now they're being delivered to your house have they all arrived at that's your good house, say, that's the question
0: this is, this is the royal we because <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going to be carrying the fucking things like oh, it's going to be bloody me um, but i
1: think i think once we're there we can probably help you unload it
0: yes yeah Yeah. yeah. or um,
1: maybe not <laughs>
0: well you know what's the point of having tom and dean there uh who are, who, are, who are joining the team um for this for this trip um you know two two young guys in there is tom a, in,
1: his in 20, their prime
0: in his 20s is he still a teenager he's still at school isn't he um, yeah but yeah he, but yeah. He's like, you are, he must well, be 18 he won't 20- be
1: by the time of uh Oh no, might still be.
0: Dean's twenty-three. Two young strapping men, and two fat old knackers in their fifties. Who's carrying the stuff? It ain't us. Let's put it that way.
1: (laughs) Good Um, point. Okay, good point.
0: uh, Yeah, but the 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 planning is coming together. the 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 big hanging banner has arrived. It's now taking up a lot of space in my bedroom because there's nowhere else to put it. Um, I haven't opened it up yet to look at. No,
1: that's probably not a good idea. To I'm probably
0: not going to. No, exactly. No, um, not
1: till we get there, and we've got all the space of an exhibition hall hanging exact, up in
0: exactly. Yeah, uh, we've also got some roll ups coming here as well, which haven't mm-hmm. arrived yet, but I'm sure they will in good time. So yeah, we're um, we're getting there, and yeah, I think um, I'm feeling quite relaxed. It's all happening. I think the only other thing you've I've got... just
1: invited Johan Nor to our podcast as well, so he's going to be uh, guesting with us on the on our podcast. Yep. Um, which is fun. How's your um? How's your presentation go? Your seminar.
0: Uh, I shall write it at the time.
1: Yeah, so, good, good, good. Uh, I, have a few I shall ideas. work out.
0: I have a few ideas, so that should be should be fairly easy to do. I hope. Um, yeah, my intention being to try and get the audience talking rather than me with a bit of luck. So uh, that, that's that's always better. Um, get a bit of audience participation going and make, mm-hmm. it, a com- make it a conversation rather than a. which
1: is what we're intending to do with our podcast so if you're going to be at uk games expo we obviously we're going to be stuck on the stall for most of the weekend so we need to know what else is going on and you our listeners are going to come to our podcast and tell us and obviously tell the whole world through the medium of podcasting what you've seen what you've enjoyed what you've played all that sort of stuff we want to hear about it all so come and join us and that's at uh Five o'clock, am I right, on the Saturday?
0: That is. It's the last hour on the Saturday, the last hour of the hall being open. So, yeah, five till six in mm-hmm. the smaller... In the dice the con- room. Is it called the dice room? Is it? I can't remember. But it's the smaller of the conference rooms they've got there, but it still holds. Or is it the bigger one? Okay. Well, next, next podcast in two weeks, we will confirm. exactly We'll tell what you it exactly it where it is. Yes, because we are we are we are woefully underprepared for this segment of World of Gaming today <laughs> because we don't even have the details to hand. So, apologies. Um,
1: yeah. I'll I tell you the other thing. If you don't want to come to our podcast or you're busy at five o'clock on a Saturday, why would anybody be busy at five o'clock on a Saturday? What could be better than coming to our podcast at that time? Uh, but if you uh, if you can't make it then come and see us at the stand. We will be in hall one yep. and we will be on free league street, obviously. Uh, so you can find us that way. It's going to be the biggest stand we've ever had.
0: Yeah. And we go, we to have a lovely big hanging banner. So there's no excuse for not finding us. Yeah. Yeah. That should be good.
1: Cool. Um, so briefly now keep this short. Cause if we had time to fill, then, um, then that would be fine, but we haven't got time to fill. Um, we've run out of time are you also planning on going to gen con dave
0: so i'm i'm flirting with the idea of going to gen con this year so um it just struck me the other day that why 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 what's stopping me going this year all right one thing is it's going to cost me quite a lot of money but other than that there's no good reason why i shouldn't go and obviously, there's going to be loads of people there that I would would want to meet up with. You know, Al Aguila and Gabe Garcia from Firelock are going to be there. Um, it'd be fabulous to, to tie in and catch up with them. Doug, now obviously, well, um, I've never I've never met Doug in the flesh, and I very much want to. So he will be there. Uh, Modifius are going to be there launching Dreams and Machines. So there's loads of things going on that you know, kind of really you know are, are relevant to me for this trip for, for Con this year so i'm 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 thinking about it. it it will depend on whether i can afford it depending on how much flights and all the rest of it is going to be um it other-
1: depends a little bit on uh, as well on whether you've got money from your various contracts yet because of course if you spend that money rather than your own money on flights over there you can write that off as a business expense
0: Oh, yes, I'll definitely be spending...
1: Thereby, the, the notionally, money. save at least your 20% tax
0: Yeah. on your self-employed learnings. Yeah, this is all going to be yeah. business expense money. Absolutely, yeah. Um, mm. So this will be a business trip. This isn't just going for fun. Um, mm, no. So, but it's, yeah.
1: Definitely it's, not having fun at Gen Con. That's what I say.
0: So anyway, um, yeah, uh, f- yeah, I guess in a couple of weeks I'll, I'll know whether it's gonna happen or not. But we've talked about going for a number of years. We've never quite yeah. got to the point of of actually making some practical arrangements. But it just struck me the other day and I just thought, Why why not? And I you know, I did get the most important part of the planning done, which is um permission in principle from the missus. So mm-hmm. that's 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 good. That's that's uh, that's out of the way. That obstacle is cleared. Um it just good. depends yeah. how expensive it's gonna be.
1: Um, and i'm sure she's relieved that you're not going with me as well i know my wife would be if i said i was going to gen con but i, I wasn't I, taking
0: i you. don't think my wife has the same fears about your and my relationship as your wife does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm, what does my wife know that your wife doesn't
0: <laughs> <laughs> my wife, i'm
1: a lot more open no, my, no, my, my wife us. thinks i'm
0: just taking the piss yeah, you know, <laughs> anyway yeah yes So, um, yeah, more news on that and on.
1: Yes. Let's let's get into the meat of the programme. You called this episode Honey, I'm Home. (laughs) Let's explain why that is. Yeah. I have written a new talent of the episode. We haven't done one of these for ages, but we're doing one now. Let's have a listen. After defeating the mollified mage in the previous session... My players considered, at the beginning of this one, turning the crypt into a stronghold. They cleared out the last of the insectoids, had a debate about bringing some up as slaves, which I did not approve of, and then turned to the money-making possibilities of honey. There were, after all, a large number of hives in the crypt, most with a swarm of bees. Honey, they argued, is a form of food. After all, if a stronghold can have a garden, why not a beehive? With all these abandoned beehives and their swarms, the honey might be a money-making enterprise for an enterprising trio of rogues. This caught me by surprise. I was expecting them to return the crypt to its original use, a sort of hospital or medical centre, if they'd wanted to make it a stronghold. I had to think quickly. How quickly? I will let you decide when we release a recording of our actual play stream. First of all, how many hives were there in the crypt? The description of the hive room does not contain help apart from, quote, the sheer volume of hives and bees make movement difficult. That's not the only room. One chamber is described as a room quote, laden with disassembled bones and hives piled to form a skeletal apiary. Another has several hives around it. A fourth has several hives swelling and bursting forth. In a corridor, hives hang from the ceiling, exposed honeycomb dripping rich amber-coloured effluent. And that leads to a garden of hives and the hives of the devout. Now, some of these are described as ravaged, and our players destroyed more than a few in their adventure. So I chose an arbitrary number of surviving swarms 40. Now, how much honey do they produce? Or rather, as far as Dave is concerned, indeed, all he is interested in, how much money do they produce? The cost of a unit of meat. Is six copper. Grain, three. So honey must sit somewhere between the two. Dave suggested that honey was more valuable than meat. I quickly put him straight. But as honey is longer lasting than pretty much any foodstuff, I suggested it was worth five copper or was that four? It takes about a month for a hive to make a harvestable quantity of honey but only in sunny months. Let's say that a single harvest of a hive produces an arbitrary 10 units of honey. So that's, what, 50 copper a month? Maybe only for five warmer months, though. So that's 50 units per hive per year. Uh, That's 250 copper a year or two and a half gold times that by 40 equals around 100 gold a year or per week 192 copper but who's going to look after the hives harvest the honey a beekeeper that's who how much does a beekeeper cost well that's a sort of farmer isn't it and farmers make five copper a day so let's make it five copper that would not be averaged income down to one gold, eight silver and seven copper a week. But because of a stronghold hack my players came up with, which I will tell you about, but later they get a little more than that. All this leads, however, to the beekeeper talent, which I like to think any hireling charging five copper a day is going to have. Your PCs might consider it too. Beekeeper. You know how to harvest honey from beehives without getting stung. Too often. And how to use the gear, clothing, and a smoker that adds bonus dice to your roll. At rank one, you can make a survival roll to harvest honey from a beehive. It takes a shift. Each success produces one unit of food that can be stored pretty much forever. Having protective clothing adds a bonus die to your roll. A smoker, little bellows that blow smoke into the hive, give you two bonus dice. At rank two, you know how to build a box for the hive. It takes a day, but adds a D8 artifact die to future rolls. At rank three, you know how to harvest the hallucinogenic honey described on page six of Crypt of the Mellified Mage. Yes, its effects are still random. Maybe an apothecary can help you strain out the individual effects.
0: Yes, that's really interesting. And it's it's nice that something like this came out of the game that we played and something unexpected that we did as players. Um, I guess my number one thing is. uh, you know, are you are you in your time-honored uh like history of being a complete bastard GM? Going to expect us to get rank three in beekeeper in order to make the money that we we're now making out of beekeeping?
1: Well, uh, I, 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 well, now here's here's a thing. By saying rank three, you're saying everybody's going to come for the hallucinogenic honey, right?
0: Well, why not? Why not sell it if it's if it's so good? because i'm not sure that it's
1: actually good for you you (laughs) lucked out on uh having a um positive effect at the point where you needed it if you remember in the fight spoilers here we'll, we'll put this on on the ap podcast but most of our listeners don't listen to us game so i think we're okay you you were almost wrecked by the mellified mage in i the was final down to boss
0: one fight. strength yeah i was in trouble.
1: uh when uh you uh got an attack that gave you uh and one of the hallucinatory hallucinatory effects of the um of the uh thing and that restored your strength it's so it. you were able to power on at the that cost that saved of us, actually that, not that D6, being able to
0: that one in six dice roll I think we would have lost yeah. the fight if if I hadn't had that.
1: And um, uh, and that doesn't that doesn't always that that was good at the time. There was a cost to that, which you couldn't pay, push any strength based skill rolls, but yeah. you didn't need to push. So that was okay. Um, a lot of the other things on that D six aren't so great. So there's uh, one which requires you to draw two initiative cards and take the higher one. The so one. the opposite yeah. of Quick one. There's um, one where you have to push all your skill rolls, uh, but gain no willpower when you do so.
0: I, I guess the point uh, for the point for us as as um, you know beekeepers and and purveyors of the finest honey is does does this effect make you feel good? Because if we if we can sell it and people it doesn't matter what the actual mechanical effect to some farmer who's spending his Saturday afternoon spliffed up on our honey. Uh, as long as the effect is positive and it makes them feel good. Um, and then they'll pay for it, obviously. Uh, that's, that's the point, I guess.
1: Yeah, I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely sure that these are necessarily... If, if you've got to roll randomly for the effect, which I've said you have, I mean, maybe there's a way of being able to strain it out and do each variety, but uh, that will be probably a whole other adventure if you want to do that <laughs> so you're rolling randomly and i'm not convinced that people would pay for the 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 chances that might happen um it does lead me on to the second part of our essay uh Although which, just
0: uh, before we do that i just i think um my recollection of the, the the financials around our money even though you've come out to the right amount is uh, is different because i think well, i think you were, you, you, were slightly,
1: you know why that is because i spent all last night trying to work out what we'd said i thought i'd taken notes i thought you'd taken notes my sure notes it turns out a shit it.
0: i'm sure i took notes I'm, somewhere but y-
1: yeah am i might uh, i might anyway
0: taking notes of the total rather than how you how you arrived at it <laughs>
1: so i had i had i had in the end your total income um which i know we'd worked out exactly what that was and and there's various things including the hack that is going to be the third part of this article yeah, yeah um uh so i i knew all these things uh, but i had to work it out from basics again and i couldn't remember some of the numbers i'd quoted to you and the worst thing is i haven't edited the um the podcast yet it's still on my mixer but because we split that into two i can only i can only actually listen on my mixer to the most recent one not the one before it um and last i I wasn't in a state of mind to download the one to computer and listen to and just (laughs) listen to what we actually said i mean ultimately
0: ultimately it's the it's the total i care about rather than how you got to it
1: yeah and the total is the same the total is the same which Uh, is is interesting
0: again because you know it's it's a step in the right direction for us earning enough regular income that we could then actually afford to have a strong to build a strong, which we've talked about before. But it was good. I mean, it was a nice idea from us, I think. And then it was good that it worked out that. And it's 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 a it's a it's a step in the right direction. It's a drop in the ocean, perhaps, but it's a decent drop. It's two gold more than we would you know we have before, and we get it every week. So
1: it's, it's, yeah. it's a start. Well, it's, it's, a, not, it's not two. It's 1.87 one
0: gold. I know, but, you know, <clears> throat> rarely throat> up for argument's sake for the moment. Um, or
1: oh, 1.89. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: but but that's fun. For me as a player, trying to build um, build the stronghold and build somewhere for us to stay and build enough money to, to be able to run it, that was great fun. I, it's, it's it's exactly yeah. in my wheelhouse it's, it's exactly the kind of thing I want to do I don't want it to be given to me all in one go I want to feel like I've earned it and I want to feel like I'm building towards it and that last session with the beekeeping really felt like that, that was really good
1: yeah so one of the things uh, uh, that you're concerned about I think, because uh, I know I'm concerned about it, is my calculations as I've laid out had Tony spending to willpower to reduce uh, the cost by forty percent of oh no oh, oh, no this is spoiling let's let's return to this discussion after <laughs> yeah. the third part
0: yeah okay um, let's let's move on to the second part now I think talking about hallucinogenic stuff I think you've got something to say along that theme for part two is that right
1: indeed. When Andy chose the herbalist talent for his goblin, Gorma, he had something very specific in mind, and that wasn't covered by the rules. The herbalist talent improves your forage skill. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of what a forage roll produces, I'm thinking berries, roots, squashes and tubers. Finding a little bit of oregano, sorry, oregano for our Atlantic cousins, might add a little flavour, but it's not going to sustain a hungry adventurer for a day. So the herbalist talent is somewhat misnamed. Perhaps it's something different in Swedish, and I'm sure vegetarian isn't quite adventurous enough, even if it's more accurate. But the herbs that Andy had in mind were not coriander, uh, sorry again, cilantro, but, you know, herb, as in the Snoop Dogg variety. We've been happy these last few adventures just to hand wave exactly what it is that Gorma puts in his pipe and to let him role play the, um, the cool effects. But I did promise him that I would think about what herbs one might find in the Forbidden Lands if one were looking for that sort of thing. Each one positively impacts one stat at a cost. Rage Sage Chew the purple leaves of Rage Sage to recover any loss of strength at the cost of two empathy points. Reflex. Smoking recovers lost empathy points and indeed gives you a bonus empathy point for the remainder of the shift. But you cannot push any roll for that shift and at the end of that shift you must have a meal or take the hungry condition, even if you've already had a meal that day. Silentro improves your agility, not just recovering any lost points, but adding an extra one for the remainder of the shift. It needs to be brewed like a tea and drunk beforehand while still hot. The cost, however, is relatively minimal. You must sleep the next shift or take the sleepy condition. Read well. Make a tea from the flowers of the reedwell plant, let it cool and then use it as an eyedrop to recover wits and, once again, add a temporary point of wits, but this time for a whole day. However, you have no interest in eating or drinking that day for shifts. So, lose one point of strength and agility and at the end of the day, take the hungry and thirsty conditions. You can sleep, but you will wake up hungry and thirsty still. There is another cost for all these herbs. They are poisons, after all. They have a potency of four. Make an endurance roll when you recover from the effects. If you fail, the next day you will still have the cost of the herb without any of the positive effects. Unless you take another dose. That next dose requires another endurance role so as i said in that is this isn't just me cribbing off the honey thing although that definitely helped uh but it's something that uh uh, well andy's been wanting for some time um you know the whole reason he took herbalist was so that he could smoke weed and um (laughs) And actually, the talent herbalist doesn't let you do that, but it does now. I, I don't know. I don't yeah. quite know how you would use your herbalist talent to gather these things. I I kind of feel that it may be that uh, you know one success only gets you food you can eat on, but you can spend one or more of your extra successes on some of these other narcotics. That's that's I think the way I'm doing it
0: yeah it's all about, yeah so herbalist is just about getting more food and, and benefits whilst you're foraging isn't it so it's not exactly
1: and then there's a the thing you know so i don't quite I haven't quite worked out whether you know if you spend one extra you know if you've got more than one success i think the first thing should always be food and then maybe you know the the next thing you find is uh, is one of these
0: herbs some, something more into so the, so basically herbalist should be called forager as a talent
1: really like, it should be yeah i thought vegetarian but forager is a far better name
0: yeah i thought so too <laughs> um <laughs> uh no i like it i think this is fun and um you know, i like yeah you know, having having that talent it's probably not a talent you would choose very often as a player um it's fine. It's
1: one of the first talents that Andy chose.
0: I know, but he chose it because he wanted to get spliffed up on weed. He didn't choose it, yes, because he wanted to find more vegetables as a forager. So Andy was taking the, the title of the, of the um, you know, of the talent to mean something else, and but that's fine. It, it means then that you have taken that kind of character drive for him, and you've turned out yeah. something that, that that meets that kind of. Player need, you know, well Andy wants to explore this and have this as a bit of fun in it. Great, here's the new new way of doing it, which is brilliant. Um, but otherwise, that talent is probably not one would somebody would particularly spend a lot of points on, no, a lot of, a lot of experience on to get those benefits because they are quite. You might do some people might do, but it's it's not going to be a, 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 a go to talent for for everybody. So I love what you've done. I think it's really nice, and I like the different varieties. And I think I like the idea as well that, like you say, success is beyond the first. You know, the first one you find your bit of food. The second one you then find something that's a bit more fun, a bit more interesting.
1: Yeah, I just wonder whether you find, whether one should roll randomly to see which of those four things you find, or whether I should make another couple and then it's a D6 roll, which would be easier, or whether one's more common than some of the others.
0: I I think If you did it as a D6 roll and had six of them, then rolling randomly would be absolutely fine. You could Mm. put a a negative modifier on their roll if they wanted to look for one specifically.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But otherwise, they find a random one.
1: Yeah. That that would work
0: well. I like that. That that would be good. Yes. And that would be the Herbalist Um, talent, and the, the other one would be Foraging talent.
1: Yes, yeah. Oh, you mean just just transpose all of um, the herbalist talent into a new one called foraging and make, make uh, a new uh, and write one. up a little better a uh, new herbalist one, which is absolutely yeah yeah. yeah. I, think, I,
0: think, I, think, I think that works better personally.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. I maybe maybe that's cool. what we'll do.
0: Cool. Right, cool. we are we're, we're, we are we are on, on fire. So. Um, Shall we, so we, so part three. What's what's part three talking about then of uh, of today's essays, Matt?
1: I almost spoiled it, but let's let's crack on and listen. All right. One of the things that upsets Dave a lot is the cost of maintaining a stronghold, especially the cost of guarding it. Guards, like other skilled professionals, the bowyer, the smith, charge one silver per day. That's almost a gold coin a week. For one guard. You can't leave your stronghold guarded by just one guard. You might only need one smith or one bowyer, but a stronghold needs ten guards at least, doesn't it? Now, it strikes me you don't have to be particularly skilled to be a guard. In the real world, that wasn't the case at all. You just needed a willingness to put yourself between the enemy and your employer, and maybe a bit of brute strength but this is a game that celebrates all things martial in a world of rogues and raiders. So it is what it is, seven silver a week. Or is it? Isambold Proudfoot is a peddler. The peddler's talent gives him the ability to spend willpower on a discount when buying things, goods and services. It doesn't as the name might suggest, to help you get a better price on what you're selling. And this somewhat annoys Tony, Isambold's player. But when the group were recruiting a beekeeper to run their nascent honey farm, they had a brilliant idea. What is a hireling? After all, it's someone who offers a service for money. Why can't Isenbold use his peddler's talent to get a better price on that service. Now, he's not saving very much on the beekeeper. He's spent a couple of willpower to drop the beekeeper's salary from five copper a day to three, but that mounts up over the air. And when it comes to recruiting guards, he could, if he were canny, reduce that one silver a day to as low as two copper. Of course, the poor halfling will have to go out adventuring, getting into sticky situations and pushing his roles to earn the willpower to recruit each person at a reduced cost. And you can spend a maximum of four willpower per person, so that would make a strongholding a lot more affordable. There are some questions to explore. For example, how long does the discount last? A kinder GM might say it lasts forever. A bastard would say a week. I think it should be good for a year or until the next spring at least. But we'll explore those implications as we play.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's, yeah. um...
1: I love that idea. Can I just say I loved it when you had that idea? And I don't know why it's taken us so long to have that idea. But um, was it you or Tony that actually had it?
0: Well, I think, but I think between us, well, we were talking about it, and I, I, I said something like, um, "Surely it should work because you are, you are effectively buying somebody's services, you're buying mm. their time, rather than, you know." So actually, if his peddler talent allows him then to reduce the amount you pay when you buy something, that should apply to buying somebody's services and somebody's time. And then we had a conversation around it. So, um, yeah. That's how I remember it. I mean, Tony might have mentioned it first, or you might have mentioned it first, but between us, we came to that conclusion. And but the
1: thing is, as I was starting to say that earlier on, when I was trying to arrive at the number that you'd written down on your sheet, I'd got to a point where Tony would have spent two willpower, but in my heart of hearts, I know he spent four willpower. He, he got that he down to twenty yeah. percent of the cost.
0: So we basically, you, you, d- despite what you said in the previous piece. You were charging us mm-hmm. a silver for a farmer's work, um, or for a beehive, mm, for a beekeeper's work, a yeah. beekeeper's work, and then Tony spent four to get that down to two copper. So we were then paying that man two copper a week instead of one silver a week. That man, that woman, that person, um, two copper a week instead of two silver, uh, one silver, thanks to Tony's talent, which begins to feel affordable. Now, obviously, we've yeah. taken that we've taken that money. The calculation involved us taking that wages off our profit. Yeah. So, so our profit is basically our profit weekly. And that includes yes. paying, paying the beekeeper.
1: Which I think, um, to be honest, is the way that one should try and you know, yes. run these strongholds. Because yeah. I've always had a problem with gold or coins of any sort changing hands, because that's not how a medieval economy works. Labour changes hands in, you know, in return for protection housing food all sorts work. of things
0: yeah exactly not
1: yeah. That, you know occasionally you got you know a few extra groats if you were a farmer um because you had a surplus to sell at market but actually money is only a thing that happens really between bankers <laughs> and the rest yeah. you know the rest of medieval it's society very,
0: very... i think there's an interesting yeah. thing there so even even things like the price that we pay the silver that we pay Per day for a guard, yeah. we're not giving the guard a, a silver piece. That silver is the cost of the expenses to keep him in armor, weapons, food, to keep him living, yeah, somewhere to sleep. Um, so actually, we're not give we're not paying him a salary. We are giving him a place to live, and it costs us one silver a day to give him that place to live. And then he gives us yeah. The
1: services Although I am sure you'd find actually it costs you a wad to build the building where you keep all your guards. So I am not, I am, I am still not convinced that this stronghold management system is quite right, is perfect. But, um, but no, yeah, but, but, but
0: <clears throat> I think I think it becomes much better though. Again, if we get Isambold to, as you say, to go out and get himself beaten up, <laughs> and then come back yes. with plenty of willpower <laughs> and pay the guard, pay the guard two copper um, instead of one silver. A day, um, that I think that becomes much more manageable and much more effective, and that probably works better along the lines of that's what we have to pay to feed him and yeah. provide, provide firewood and keep his gear and all that sort of scratch. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like you say, where he lives is a different expense because we have to build the guardhouse or whatever. Um, but actually, the day-to-day living expenses of just keeping him fed and warm and dry that's what the two copper yeah. pay pays for. I think that um, works.
1: Now, I and see. I do think, you know, looking again at those prices, I think the guard stands out as overpaid, really, if you yeah. start applying medieval economy to it.
0: Well, we immediately start saying, well, why the fuck don't we go and be guard somewhere because we'll make a gold yeah. a week? <laughs> <laughs> so this running around and getting killed. Let's just go and stand guard on <laughs> somebody else's castle and we'll be we'll <laughs> be rich in five years.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I do think it is a bit like, I think, it is recognizing that most role-playing characters are effectively people who make their living through the use of the sword. I think it probably pushes the price of guards up within the world of the game. Possibly, yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, a guard is somebody who probably can't do anything else. But can at least make up numbers and be cannon fodder, or oh, it, in this game, obviously, spell fodder. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think guards were ever as well paid as what was it, um, yeah, I can't remember the other two bakers. Oh, an executioner gets a silver a day, and I guess if you're murdering people for a living, maybe I don't know, though. I don't think executioners got a, anything like that in uh. Yeah, that's a top professional. That's the highest any of those hirelings yeah. can be paid. Although um, you want, yeah, the Bowyer he... and the Smith get a silver a day in in that in this game, and they are truly skilled.
0: Yeah. Sorry, they I'm would've... on a rant now. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. And they would have spent years honing their craft to get to that. Point. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that a, a a good guard would have spent years honing his craft, um, you know, as a soldier, but it's maybe maybe not. Yeah. No, I, I, think, ten I, guards, think sil- I think a silver a day for a for a soldier, for a guard, is way too much.
1: Yeah. Well, now now you've got the hack, you can make it less than a silver, but exactly. I think I'm gonna keep that as the as the core price. Yeah. What do you think about the idea of um, that through a year and then you have to renegotiate in a year's time?
0: So um, I I I think in principle it's it's okay. Because that's probably what would happen and people might not stay for the rest of their lives. They might want to go and do something else, your guards. But in game terms, is it just going to be a bit shit? When we get to the point where we've got 30, say, yes. employees and then we come to the episode where all we're doing is getting Istanbul beaten up to get willpower in order to come back and negotiate. With all these people. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure that works. So I think probably for the game, it's probably better to just say that's the price that they get paid. Now, yeah. our characters are likely to die before those guys get fed up with getting paid that amount of money. Um, yeah, so I yeah, think it's probably I, I think, not, not an issue. I think probably better just to leave it, I would argue.
1: Yeah, I, I think probably actually it's a permanent thing. The challenge, of course, is that you may have four willpower to spend on this guard, but the next guard you group may only have two willpower or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, you know, they may. You, it may end up with different people being paid different rates, but there is no collective bargaining in this world. I've decided that. So uh, they they well, get so what they're given at the so time.
0: Tony could well yeah, and Tony could get get ten people together and use four wheel power to get them all down to two copper.
1: Yeah, and yeah. and there may be a thing. Just touching on a point you said uh, earlier, um, does 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 your beekeeper have to be a level three beekeeper? Yeah, you know it may be that if you negotiate a beekeeper down from i don't think a beekeeper should be silver i think it should be the same rate as a fiver which is as a farmer which is five copper copper. so i'm gonna i'm gonna say that beekeeper maybe was pushing their luck when they wanted to charge you a silver for it um but is that because maybe though one who charges you a silver has got the level three yeah um
0: that makes sense
1: yeah uh, so actually, it, yeah. The
0: one, yeah, the one we've got is a talented beekeeper, maybe because he's yeah. beekeeping for the mellified Mage. Perhaps. Well, he hasn't
1: been beekeeping. No, I mean that's been abandoned. Nobody's known about that for years. Okay, right, yeah. So those bees have been doing their own thing, but uh, maybe yeah. I might let you have that one. But I'm, I'm not convinced there's a market for hallucinogenic honey in the same way that there might be a market for some of those drugs.
0: Just honey. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. No, that's cool. that's fine. That's fine. That's cool. No, it's good. 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 Um, good. Good articles there, Matt. I do quite like actually splitting the articles up into three like that, or two even, and having, you know, short articles. Having a bit of a chat, chat halfway through. Art. So maybe this is a this is a. listeners, let us know what you think. Does this does this like, you know, three part essay work in the way we've done it today? If it does, I think we'll do more of it that way. If it doesn't, perform yeah. prefer I mean, it the old way, then that's fine. We can stick with that. That's that's no problem at all. But I quite like the idea of, of mixing it up a little bit sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think particularly one of the things that we've done less of, when we used to do, each of us used to do a thing, we pre-recorded every episode. Yeah, One of those things could be a short thing, like a talent of the episode. Yes. And as we've gone through, oh, I've got to provide the meat of this episode. It's got to be at least, you know, seven minutes long or something like that um then obviously short stuff like 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 talents of the episode don't quite make it unless you have got three or four to put together so um so that would enable us to do some of those shorter items and that you know uh, that thing on the hack you know that probably wouldn't have made it would we may well have just discussed it um so yeah yeah
0: maybe if you like
1: shorter pieces let um, us know yeah
0: and we give us a shout but I think that's a good idea, though, because I, I always enjoyed doing the um, uh, the talent of the episode. That was always fun. Mm. So um, maybe we should do that a bit more anyway, just as a supplement to whatever the main essay discussion yeah. point is going to be for that episode. Because it's fun. I like doing new talents. Um, cool. Right. We've been talking a cool. very long time today. Um. <clears throat> So I think, unless we've got anything else that you wanted to add, Matt, um, I suspect we ought to be wrapping up today.
1: Yeah, I think I think we should.
0: Well, I was I was I was talking on our Discord um, about uh, how how I how I used history in. Uh, war stories rendezvous with destiny
1: yes yes where did i change it And when when because that is as as i'm going into this campaign we can talk about this more next week obviously but as i'm going into this campaign i'm thinking you know we have a chance of changing some history here and i don't want to be playing through a fixed story you know i mean I'm, i'm not saying we're going to be massive heroes and we're going to kill hitler but but yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on how, within a role-playing campaign, you take some history, but you can also change it. Yep. So let's let's do that. Tell yep. me all about that next week.
0: That is for next week. Cool. Good. Um, well, thank you for listening, everybody. And um, with that, it's, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. And may the icons bless your adventures. You have been listening to The Effect Podcast. Presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music stars on a black sea used with permission of Free League Publishing.